Welcome to NFL Mayo. I'm Aiden. And I'm Brad. And we are back for our scheduled post-draft recap. We are going to talk about what I feel was a very eventful draft. I'm excited with my team's class. Um, I found myself grinning ear to ear in that first round. I was very excited. Uh, I had a very stressful week. It's almost towards the end of the semester, my last semester in grad school. And I was so excited to slide into Thursday night have some pizza, hopefully see some electricity, and boy did we because the first couple picks in that draft were crazy. I'm going to pull up the tracker right here. Do you want to just talk about this first round at large before we talk about teams and their their specific classes? Yeah, I think that's probably for best. <clears throat> Alright, so the obvious, we all thought it was coming. Bryce Young goes number one overall. He seems to be a very humble kid, if not absolutely tiny, but I think he has a lot of talent. I think he's great in the pocket. I've talked about him a lot. I thought that was the pretty obvious pick. However, at pick number two, the Houston Texans, a lot of smokescreen coming into the draft in the last few weeks that they weren't sold on some of the quarterbacks outside of Bryce. Um, People saying that C.J. Stroud might slip past number seven, that his S2 apparently cognitive score was very low even though that's not necessarily a cognitive test it's mostly like a light tracking peripheral vision like a reflex test so I don't know if you could call that like necessarily an intelligence or cognitive test but however we know that he can pick apart great defenses I thought it would be CG Stroud all along and so did you because up to that point we were two for two yeah yeah well and we're I mean we were four for four uh at the end of the day. All right, well, bury, bury the lead, bury the lead. So, at the at the third pick, we thought Arizona would stand pat due to our no-trade rule and select Will Anderson, perceived to be the best or the second-best uh, defensive player in this draft. However, one of the most... Oh, my dog is going crazy. He's so excited about this Will Anderson pick. <laughs> um, one of the coolest things I've ever seen, uh, maybe a short-sighted approach from D'Amico Ryans and company, but... The Houston Texans trade back up from 12, I I believe it was 12, um, to get, or wherever, wherever the pick went, they trade back up to get Will Anderson, so they go C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson, sacrificing next year's first, and I thought this was a good deal for both sides, because you get a really good player from the University of Alabama, D'Amico Ryan's from there as well, so he's got to have an affinity for that program. And the Cardinals need to tank this year while Kyler heals up. They needed to stockpile picks, and they did that so well in this draft starting here. Yeah, they to, to only be moving back um, a couple picks, really. Uh, they they got, moved back real quick. They moved back, and then they traded back up. Oh, okay. Um, they still they still have like crazy good value for just what they gave mm-hmm. up for this because they have a, a first next year and a second next year and uh, I think they also Extra. have a second round. Um, and everyone's saying that next year's draft is positioned to have a lot of high end talent. Um, people were saying that this draft really only had maybe a handful to two handfuls of blue chippers. Next year has some very good players. Um, at number four. Anthony Richardson goes to the Indianapolis Colts. I think that was a, the better pick between him and Will Levis. You selected that correctly, so I got to give you your flowers for that one. I think 
the Colts will talk about had a very good draft, but to go for the upside guy who had a rough season, who's learning and hasn't played a lot of games over the guy who sucks and sucked last year, who dropped to the second round. I think that was the good move. And apparently if Richardson was gone, they would have probably took Levis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I think, I think Richardson just has all the upside of the world. And, uh, and what we, we, what I guess think we forgot when we were doing the draft pod was that the Colts actually have Gardner Minshew uh, over there. We did forget about that. I mean, I, that's not moving the needle too much for me, He's to be honest. But than... it, it bears it bears repeating that they did have another guy other than Sam Ellinger, and they have Nick Foles technically. Yeah, I think Gardner's definitely the most polished on that team at the moment. So he might be he might he might start off. Starting if Anthony doesn't show, you know, in practice that he can like pick up the playbook and such. Yeah, and I think I think Colts fans will probably be okay with Gardner Minshew because he's just a, such a charismatic guy. He's like Ryan Fitzpatrick, basically, uh, in my mind, where people just love him even though he's just okay. Yeah, he does endear himself to the fans. He has a much more authentic personality than Baker Mayfield, who I feel they're very similar. Um, I'll say this: I think that. Indianapolis is going to be clamoring to see what Richardson can do on the field at Lucas Oil Stadium. But you have a point in saying that people tend to love Gardner Minshew when he comes off the bench. And I could see him maybe going out there for the first few weeks. We don't know what their schedule is yet. But for instance, when the Bears started this season, they had a pretty tough gauntlet coming out of the the first few weeks. And people were like kind of worried about Fields going out there and getting bludgeoned by San Francisco and company. We ended up winning that game in a monsoon. But regardless... Brad has to go see the Super Mario movie at 2 o'clock, so we got to really push through this today, okay? There was some coordination issues, all right? He's got to go see Jack Black singing Peaches. So at number 5, in a pick that we thought would be Jalen Carter, the Seahawks draft Devin Weatherspoon, and look, Brad may not be as high on him, even though I believe Brad still thinks he's a good player, but goddamn, I think Devin Witherspoon is such an awesome film to watch. This is a guy that will absolutely light you up. They've already got a good secondary. They're going to have Jamal Adams coming back from injury. He seems to be injured often. Um, and I think Devin Witherspoon could be a stalwart in that secondary. He could bounce between the perimeter and the slot. He'll lay the lumber. And this team is is really positioned to do well in the next coming years. I am a little bit skeptical of them not taking a flyer on a young QB but you know with Anthony Richardson off the board maybe they would have went for him at five if he would have slipped yeah I mean obviously they don't like Levis all that much because they had another pick and they also didn't select Levis with that pick and I think they chose a very good player for that that next one we'll get to it obviously oh um, yeah they yeah. did um, yeah but, I, th- I I think they did I yeah. think they did um, uh, yeah but they Devin did pick a good player I, I, I didn't have him as my number one cor- cornerback I thought that uh, as far as playing the position of cornerback uh, he plays a much more physical game which is, is probably what the Seahawks were looking for um, but I like Christian Gonzalez more but uh I mean, it's, it's like you've got the swaggy guy that will light you up and is going to be chirping the whole time, or you have the really quiet stone-faced technician with intangibles. Like, pick your poison, and what one's going to fit better in Seattle in that secondary where they've established an attitude back there over the last, like, decade and a half? 
dude, the fans love it. The NFL media loves it. They have a guy who hit in Tariq Woolen last year who fits the archetype that they, they go for, which is the really rangy guys. And I don't think Devin Witherspoon's all that tall and stuff, but I think I could see him in the slot just absolutely fucking dudes up. All right, we're going to push through, though. At pick number six, the Cardinals trade back up because they did not want to miss out on who they perceived to be the number one offensive tackle in this draft. I have to say, I think Paris Johnson Jr., who ends up being the selection here at six, is an incredible football player. In college, he was also learning like Mandarin, Chinese, and Russian. He was a writer for the school paper, which I believe is The Lantern. He uh, started a foundation, a charity foundation for veterans in need. So like, he is such an awesome dude. His character flags are so far away from him. I've always loved Paris Johnson. He came in as a, like, uh, with the offensive tackle light body type, but due to having... And established Thayer Mumford and Nicholas Petit Frere when he first came in, he actually bounced inside to right guard. And I'll never forget, like, on his first drive, as this really skinny, tall guard who was a five-star recruit, he bodied the defensive tackle he went up against and, and basically blindsided him. And then from there, he was just, a, like, one of our standard Bears on offense. And I know how good he is, and I truly thought he fit for the Bears. But, look... The Cardinals must have been in love with him. I heard that Kyler Murray was hammering the table for him, and I think he's going to be a fit. And this was the great start to a great draft for the Cardinals, who recouped a lot of uh, additional draft compensation for their future. And they're going to need it, again, because they're going to be hampered with the injury to their quarterback this season. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Paris Johnson Jr., not, while not being uh, my favorite offensive tackle in the draft, was definitely good enough to go this early um, or, or in this kind of – you know, we kind of hit a run on offensive tackles almost with just a couple, three pl- players in between. But, you know, most of the offensive tackles were gone, or all the offensive tackles that were really first-round talents, I think, were gone in the first uh, 11 picks. So, um, I think, uh, and obviously we'll get to that, but uh, I, uh, I'll we can just move on, though, uh, to the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. Um, they picked Tell up about Tyree it. Wilson from Texas Tech. Uh, we talked about him. He's just, uh, he's good, obviously. But uh, we were criti- criti- uh, we were criticizing his uh, lack of explosiveness off of the snap. Um, very not very uh, not usually the first guy. Usually the last guy uh, when the snap when the snap goes off, uh, which isn't really something you look for in an edge player. But maybe that was just a scheme that, that they were running for defense. He was trying to read and then react. Um, but he goes to the Raiders, which you know if, if the Raiders want to use that uh, as their pick, then I'm fine with that because. I mean, I don't think he's going to be as good as Max Crosby. It'll be it'll, he'll be scary. I think he's 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 got a lot of talent. Which is wild because Max Crosby was like a fourth or a fifth round pick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, people people bust and people you know just play well above their uh, their draft stock all the time. And Max Crosby was one of them. Um, I, and especially in the AFC West, which has you know uh, two of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, you you need yeah good, good call. Edge. You need some pass rush. You need some pass rush. We we said Look, that they might take. We said they might take uh, Will Levis here, um, and that did not happen. Obviously, but uh, I think 
you know, they, they filled an obvious need. I think, uh, you know, they probably could have traded back and got him as well, or they could have taken Jalen Carter, uh, mm. even though that might not I'm not, not sure. I think I think the league is very high on Tyree Wilson. This guy's like 6'7". He's near 300 pounds, rocked up. He came into the draft room in the, the green room looking just fly as fuck with his suit and gigantic glasses. He picked up the commissioner very highly. Uh, he lifted him very high. And... Maybe we were a bit short-sighted in our projection in the mock with him, but I, I see a guy slow off the snap with a foot injury that apparently had some people concerned. But you make a good point about Will Levis because I think it's important to bring the audience into the draft room for a second because around this point, I think with a lot of the smoke saying Will Levis was linked to the Colts, he's now in the green or he's now in the waiting room. And the cameras are on him and his eyes are rolling and darting around and he seems pretty peeved off. He's got a beautiful, eclectic assortment of women around him, hugging him and clawing at him and his girlfriend. Very, very beautiful. Um, But yeah, it, it starts to become obvious that Will Levis might slip a bit with a lot of teams not necessarily needing a quarterback, save for maybe the Tennessee Titans coming up. But let's push through. At number eight, I, I started at this point getting spoiled very early on Twitter by a guy named Ari Mirov, who I had to unfollow for a second because he was accurately correct like a minute and a half before every pick came in. And I was seeing it on accident every time because I was already following him. So I saw Bijan Robinson getting drafted number eight, and I had text with the group chat, get ready. This is a cool one. Like, this is exciting. And look, a top 10 pick on a running back, but I have to say I think Bijan is of the ilk of a Saquon Barkley, of a top of the league, of a Derrick Henry, of like a top of the league running back. And... Arthur Smith is the head coach with this West Coast offense, heir to the Brown shipping and freight empire. What can Brown do for you? This is going to be an old school offense, and they're investing heavily in their skill positions. And who knows? Maybe they'll go get a QB, but I think they're willing to roll with Desmond Ritter here for a little bit and just hope that the talent around him can make him serviceable. Yeah, uh, the Bijan pick. It, I mean, it's a good. It's a good pick. I th- we just had him going one later than this in our mock. Um, but I mean, it's a good. He's he's obviously one of the best players in this draft, especially you know uh, just sk- skill wise and what he can bring to your team. Just running back isn't the value at the at this point. But I mean, if they waited any longer, he would have been gone. You know, so they yeah. decided he was worth it, even though they have multiple holes all over their team. And uh, you know, we'll see if it play, pays out for him because I mean. There's a lot of times that running backs will just uh, a good running back can change your entire team uh, just by. And himself. I think Bijan is that type of a guy. I agree. Um, I have to say, incorrect. We actually had him going number ten to the Eagles. Oh, My pets are yeah. playing, and it's so cute right now. But I'm sorry if they're being loud. <laughs> um, okay, so the Eagles traded up from ten to nine with the Chicago Bears, and all we got for it was a paltry future fourth, and. At first, I was very miffed about this because obviously the Philadelphia Bulldogs selected Jalen Carter. Character concerns be damned. Character concerns be damned. And I see Jalen Carter as the wild card who could, you know, crash and burn due to his decision making, but also could be like an uh, all pro within a few years because of his talent. And all we got for that moving back and guaranteeing them the chance to select was a future fourth. So I was a bit annoyed. However, it got me thinking, 
we knew they were going to take him and we didn't want to take him. And we knew if we moved back, they'd take him. So why not pick up a freebie? You know what I mean? So in that regard, I got to be happy about it. And I'm actually happy we didn't draft him. Don't get me wrong. I think that was the correct move by Ryan Poles. So we'll kill two birds in this one and say Philadelphia starts their run on Georgia players by selecting Jalen Carter at number nine. Originally, the Carolina pick given to the Bears traded to Philly. And then at 10, we selected who I had mocked to the Bears, and I was very excited about this. My namesake, Darnell Wright from Tennessee, who I think has the body type and athleticism and temperament near near the temperament, maybe not as extreme as, of a Trent Williams, and I think I could compare him to a Derisaw type. I think he is a big, wide-bodied, agile, dancing bear who had excellent production and he against the best competition in the SEC all season. And on top of that, he starts our trend of selecting highly recruited high school players with these large, like five-star pedigrees. And, you know, as a guy who follows college recruiting, that was very interesting to me. So the Bears took Darnell right at 10, and I couldn't be happier. He is going to lock down our right tackle for many years, in my opinion. And look, we did, we did let Peter Skaronsky slip through our fingers and go to the Tennessee Titans at number 11. I'm okay with that because I'm aware that Ryan Poles has a specific body type that he wants, and that was reflected in the players we drafted, all of which were tall, long, and athletic with high relative athletic scores, which I'm going to reference after we go through the first round. But yeah, Skaronsky also a really good offensive lineman. I think he's a better pure offensive lineman than Darnell Wright, just not as high of the upside. Yeah. So that's I, three picks. Yeah. Um. I think I think we you, we also did have Titans getting an offensive tackle, just uh Paris John uh, Paris um that correct yeah Paris Johnson Jr. Uh. To yeah, but that was with Will Levis not on the board, that's and true. they passed on Will, they did and then they got lot. him in the second. Well, but still, yeah. I think I think they they they. They knew something that we didn't. But uh, on from Skaronsky, I think this might be I what, knew. the reach of the reach I've been of the saying this for months, buddy. I've been, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm cutting you off. I've been saying the Will Levis thing for months, dude. I wasn't high on him either. I mean, but it seemed like so many people were. that You know, I mean, the uh, the spies were out doing their business, you know, drumming up false falsities and... People fell for it. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Someone has to knock old Mel Kuyper's block off for setting these dudes up to fail in the green room. Yeah. Oh, I feel. I felt really bad for him and his hot girlfriend, but uh, no, <laughs> I think. All right. Uh, hot girlfriend next, nowhere to be found. Day two. Yeah. Uh, the Lions. I think. I think had like what the reach of the first round easily with taking Jameer mm. Gibbs here, a running back. Let's that, talk about it. Let's talk about it. I mean, Here's obviously the thing. he was a good running back. He's a second round kind of talent, I think. Um, maybe I think, late first for somebody that really just wants a, a, a good fast running back. But at twelve, Jim, he's no. He's Jameer no, Gibbs, he's no Robinson. He's no. So positional value aside, Jameer Gibbs offers you a lot in the passing game as well as the running game. He was great at Georgia Tech. He was great at Alabama. He's. His acceleration is top-notch, and I think he's a very good player, and I think he'll play well enough to make people not 
turn their nose up at this pick as much as they are now. Don't get me wrong. I want to say this. I think that though the Lions drafted terribly based off of what we would perceive from mocks from the layman point of view is value and positional value at large with running back and then subsequently linebacker. However, the players they drafted are good players, and I think they'll play good football. It's just, did they maximize their value coming into the draft with two top first-round picks? Absolutely not. They could have took way more valuable players at better slots, but they did trade back to this spot, and I do think the fact that they traded uh, Swift, DeAndre Swift the next day or two days later to the Eagles for a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick swap it opens up this this pick to be a lot smarter. You've got David Montgomery, who's going to be your grinder, and you've got Jameer Gibbs as your absolute weapon. But I thought that number 12 and number 13, both NFC North draft picks, um, were questionable because the Packers go on to take Lucas Van Ness, who I'm not super high on, and they passed on Jackson Smith and Jigby here, which I thought was absolutely ridiculous. How are you going to set Jordan Love up like that? Um, but I do think it might benefit us to push through a little bit because we need to talk about our teams and you have to leave soon. So the Steelers trade up and they get Broderick Jones and the Steelers had one of the best drafts. I thought that was awesome. They needed to get that last solid offensive tackle type. And then they left the Jets with no good offensive lineman at 15. The Jets end up, in my opinion, settling for a high upside pass rusher in Will McDonald. If you want to talk about this pick, go ahead because you were quite critical, more critical than me at the time. Uh, I mean, I think Will McDonald, I mean, he's he's okay. He's good. I mean, he, he's probably a later round first pick, I would say. I think uh, they have they have a lot more needs, and I think uh, them going offense would have been way more useful here because their defense was what was good, and they have lots of holes in the offense. They don't have nearly enough uh, weapons besides, you know, the, for, the now former rookie of the year, uh, Garrett Wilson. Um, they... they um, sorry, Alan Lazard doesn't move the needle for you? Not really, no. Yeah, uh, me either. They, they, there's, there was a lot of top-tier uh, tight ends that were available here. You had Jackson Smith <clears> and there were to reunite with, uh, to reunite with uh, Garrett Wilson. Um, I, I just, you know, there, there's, there, there was a lot of options. I, th- I thought that they could have, you know, moved back if they, if they, if they thought this was the guy, because I don't think... The commanders, well, the commanders might have, but uh, I think so, uh, some teams would not have uh, drafted Will McDonald. Um, it just, it, it was kind of weird for me. Um, let's move along. Uh, it, a surprise to me, the commanders did take Emmanuel yeah. Forbes. Uh, this is Christian one of my Gonzalez. least favorite picks in the draft, especially with Will Levis on the board. Um, even though I'm not high on him, you have Sam Howell as your QB. And Emmanuel Forbes is like 170 pounds dripping wet. Yeah. Uh, I think didn't he have the most pick sixes in the in the in NCAA? yeah uh, yeah. Here's the thing he he was highly productive on the ball and he had a lot of pick sixes. But if you actually dive back in and look at those pick sixes, a lot of them came off tips where he was beat. So and and this is I I mean. Everyone gets their um, analysis either personally from watching stuff or from other people who are doing more work. So I watch the bootleg pot or listen to the bootleg podcast a lot. And Brett Coleman, he does a lot of great breakdowns. So I like to, I like to plug him. Dane Brugler 
with the athletic who creates the beast who creates the freaks list which i reference a lot which is the most athletic college players every year and then his beast is every draft prospect he think will get he thinks is going to get drafted he breaks them down so just a quick caveat those are the guys doing a lot more work and i reference a lot of their breakdowns but emmanuel forbes man I'm not seeing that at pick 16, and that started a little run of them drafting secondary players way earlier than I thought they should have gone. Yeah, I think uh, it, I mean, and then moving along, the the next pick, uh, Christian Gonzalez, got taken by the Patriots, who I thought had a... (laughs) How do you not take him? Steal. He's he's considerably better in almost every area besides pick sixes off of tip tip passes, which you could say... That it is a it is a a an ability to find balls in the air, you know to you know sure. and and have that play playmaking ability that you can't teach, that's a part of it for sure. But Christian Gonzalez just has to be the better quarterback here, I think, um, just based off of how he actually plays. You know, not not the things that yeah happen to him, the ways the things that he does on the field, the ways that he just takes people out of games and stuff. Um, yeah, so that, I gotta that, say real quick, um, absolute steal on a trade down from the Patriots here. Yeah. However, one thing that, that gave me a red flag with Gonzalez was he looked like a robot the whole night and including in his like little interviews, it looked like his, he was just like not moving his face. And I don't know if he was anxious or what, but I was like, uh Oh, he's got no personality out here. He did have a cool suit that had the Colombian flag on the inside of the, uh, of the lapels. However, Jack Campbell, Captain Jack Campbell, Gus Johnson would say, goes number 18 to the Detroit Lions. Look, man, way overdrafted, I think. I still think Jack Campbell's really good. Yeah, um, we definitely had him going later. But uh, like you said before, the Lions were just picking good players as as they were co- coming along. And maybe they just had really Jack Campbell really high high up on their list as a, like a need, which that it's a need. Like if they if if they picked him later, we would we'd have no problems with this. It would be a great oh if the, if, he, if he went in the second round, and a lot of people did this. A lot of people were like, in my opinion, they just did this, and they their second their their third and fourth picks were just switched with their first and second. So like Jameer Gibbs went early second, and Jack Campbell went late or third. You know what I mean? They're like, if they did this, nobody's saying anything, and it's a great draft. So, in a way, who cares? You know what I mean? Value in what we perceive value in the draft, and you know, if they're if they're just changing the whole the whole, they're trying to flip the draft and how we could perceive it on its head. Whatever, we'll see how it works out for them. Usually, you draft you bet you draft based off of uh, value because that's what the draft is all about. You get more value out of certain yeah. positions yeah. than you do others. That's just how it is. Uh, moving along, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers selected Kalijah Kansi, uh from. Yeah, Pittsburgh. that doesn't move the needle too much for me, to be no, honest. It's it's a good pick. He's a good player. He's gonna he's gonna start. He's gonna he's he's going to do well. Um, it it doesn't like it's not going to add a lot to their team. They still have plenty of needs, but uh, this is just a decent pick. Uh, you know, good value at the at the spot, and a good player. Uh, but mm, and now we start a run, needle a four-player, yeah, four-player run on wide receivers. None had gone yet. I was saying Bears trade back into the first for Jackson Smith and Jigba, please. However, the Seattle Seahawks have a great couple of heads on their shoulders at the uh, decision-making positions, and they draft the best receiver in this draft, and they're going to pair him up with Dorsett 
and DK Metcalf. Is it Dorsett? Did I have him right? I always mix him up with Cooks. Yeah, and yep, Tyler Lockett. See, I had to correct it. Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Um, the three-headed dragon, so they say. And I couldn't be happier. It's it's absolutely insane. In, incredible talent. And he, he falls into a great position, so I'm happy for him. But more importantly, talk to me about pick number 21, Bradley. So pick number 21 creates an almost equally, if not more so, nutty wide receiver room with a with – Quentin Johnston. I'd uh, say less so. I'd say less so. We we got we got you know wish uh, <laughs> DK Metcalf here um, to pair with a, a, a we we with a old with old Jackson Smith and Jigba and uh, Mike Williams who I who I still tout as the true number one receiver on that on this team. Um, but I think I think uh, what Quentin Johnston adds to this team is for one speed because his his forty times is not does not represent his on it does on not belie his game breaking ability on the field he, seen yeah. as seen against the university of michigan in the playoffs yeah he absolutely was a monster there uh and he has he has traits that you would you would want to see out of a number one x receiver but he's he's just not that yet he just isn't he doesn't have consistently the ability to do the things that exactly what mike williams does is what quentin johnston needs to get better at to become a true uh, X receiver. And I think he doesn't use his size. That's his problem. He doesn't. And this is what happens when you order Kevin white off of Wayfair, you get Quentin Johnston. And look, I think he's got talent and I think he might've actually fell into the best position possible for him as an individual to be paired up with Herbert and not have to be the number one target on that offense. In fact, he's the third or maybe even fourth coming in with is Palmer still on the roster. Palmer is Palmer's okay and he already knows the offense. So he's coming in as like a third or fourth option currently. And I think he has the talent to do well if he can work on the little intricacies of his game. However, the next guy that goes was the guy I predicted to go to Baltimore, Zay Flowers, and I think Zay Flowers has a lot of the skills that would endear you uh and make make him an absolute fan favorite and he's got some game breaking ability of his own he's just a little bit shorter and I thought that was a great pick to round out their room and then since Luke isn't here let's talk a little bit about Jordan Addison at number 23 um look something to be said about the fourth wide receiver of the four first round guys fall into you so I mean you don't get to like you don't get your pick of the four. I think Addison has talent. He won the Bolitnikoff two years ago. Then he chased the bag from Pittsburgh to USC NIL style. Um, my thing is this, and I could be completely wrong about this, but I see a lot from Jordan Addison of this dejected demeanor. And Luke's going to just absolutely grill me because I've been critical of Justin Fields when he looks down and dejected too. But Addison sometimes tries to be like super swaggy and stuff. And it seems like he's trying to do his best JJ, uh, Justin Jefferson impression. And I think he's a faker. I think he's a fake cool guy. Yeah. Jordan Addison was one, it was a, a wide receiver that the Chargers brought in. I think we were very interested in him. I think we just, and the fact that we didn't pick him, I think was mostly due to his size, him being like one of the smallest wide receivers in the, in this draft. Um, but Jordan Addison has all the things that basically Quentin Johnson is missing from his game. Um, yeah, he can get open and he can catch it. Exactly. Uh, so 
if if you're looking for a polished guy that's probably going to line up in the slot a lot more, uh, then that's what Jordan Addison's going to do for you. Uh, and I think I think the Vikings, I, I, this is kind of a nailed pick for them. I think uh, it's that's perfect. I think um, did we have Jordan Addison going to the Vikings or did we have? Mm, good call. I don't remember. We that sounds have. about right. No, no, we might have had we him. Gave, we gave him. Uh, we gave him uh, safety. Oh yeah, Brian Branch. But which this is, that this was is a, a great pick a great in the pick second for the Vikings. I mean, it's, at the end of the day, it's a good extra weapon for Kirk to throw to. Takes pressure off of JJ. I think he's going to have a good year. He might even hit a thousand yards. Yeah, he's going into a position with a quarterback who can get him the ball on time, which is going to bode well for him and his success. So I don't think it was a bad pick at all. I think the Vikings and the Bears had the best first round of the NFC North. Um, Deontay Banks to the Giants. Buffalo Bills trade up above the Cowboys to take Dalton Kincaid, which was smart. And then subsequently, the Cowboys, in Brad's opinion, reached on Mozzie Smith. Though I think Mozzie Smith is a pretty solid player to lock down the nose tackle position. Uh, though he did have a gun charge in college and still was able to play in the playoffs because Michigan didn't say anything. Um, but yeah, they're the they're the absolute best university. Everybody knows that, Rich Eisen. Yo, here's the thing. You were like, ha-ha, Rich Eisen made a Michigan-Ohio State joke. Here's um, If you watch anything from Mitch, uh, Rich Eisen, who is a Michigan graduate, he will do it every five seconds and it gets to the point where it's like a dad trying to vet every word spoken for a potential dad joke to throw in there and you're like haha it's a little tiresome but he does that for ohio state and michigan and it's like dude i just want to sock him one i just want to see him keel over when he's doing the 100 yard or the 40 yard dash no that that was a joke rich eisen is a great person and the in the 40 yard dash is for charity and for children with um, different medical issues, but it annoys me as an Ohio state fan. So next we have Jacksonville taking Anton Harrison. And this is with the understanding that cam Robinson is about to be suspended for PED use that came out right before the draft. So maybe a bit of a reach on him, but I think that's a solid guy to shore up that shortcoming on the offensive line due to the PED suspension. I'm sorry. I'm burning through these, bud. do you have anything you want to say about any of them? Miles Murphy, I thought was a great value pick for the Bengals. Uh, he's like a prototypical 4-3 defensive end. And then next we have the New Orleans Saints who get this first round pick due to their former head coach going to the Broncos. And they take Brian Brissy, who was the actual number one recruit out of his high school class. However, this is a guy that's been hampered by injuries and never quite lived up to his draft or his uh, ranking pedigree. But, you know, potential value pick on the D-line. They've took a lot of swings on the D-line lately, and a lot of them um, haven't really worked for them. Except for Cam Jordan, who we couldn't remember his name. And then the thing that started to really make me scaled is Philadelphia seeing Nolan Smith fall to them at pick 30 Another number one pick from his high school class. And this is just fucking nutty, dude. Because Howie Roseman is just taking players from what I've seen to be the best defense I've ever seen of the last two seasons. And now he's got like six or seven Georgia Bulldogs. Yeah. That that defense alone has, I think, what, four, four of, of their like, well, we'll, the last two uh, de- defensive national championship teams? I'll name them. So we'll get to Keely Ringo, who fell to him in the fourth, which was oh, yeah. fucking Five, nuts yeah. as well. But they had Nicobe Dean, who I was very high on, who they got in the third. Jordan Davis. They got Jalen Carter. They got Nolan Smith. 
and they've got Keely Ringo. So that's five. They got Swift on offense, and then maybe they have another guy that was like some undrafted free agent or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 the Philadelphia Bulldogs. We've been saying everyone's been saying it, and it's hilarious. It's, I mean, I can't say too much because the Chargers, like, uh, and we can, I guess, skip skip the Chiefs because fuck them. But uh, uh they, ah, they they took a local guy, Felix Anaduke Uzama, and he came to the draft the next day. That was very exciting. The locals were excited. Let's talk about the teams though, because you do. I just checked the clock. You got to leave in like fifteen minutes. Uh, I think it would be beneficial if we started talking about some of the best and worst drafts and then ours at large. Yeah. Um, I think we, we alluded to it so far, uh, that the Seahawks had a fantastic draft. Um, and, uh, I think the Colts had a really good draft. Um, they did. And I think that the, I mean, the Patriots got, some gosh, the Seahawks draft, draft was draft. so good. Yeah, Seahawks draft is probably I think my favorite so far. Obviously, the Eagles got two, you know, of the top defenders in this draft in the first round. Uh, they, you know, it helps if you have multiple first round picks, I guess. Uh, I, I, and uh, I mean, you know, like you said, the Bears did pretty well. The Vikings yeah, did pretty let's well. talk. I'll talk about the Bears since we're short on time. I'm going to talk about the Bears and then let you talk about the Chargers. And then if we can, we'll talk Vikings a little bit. Um, With the caveat that we've mentioned some of the other really good drafting teams. Uh, There were some other teams that didn't have as many picks. Uh, Some teams traded up for special teams players, which is a little odd, or drafted them really high. I think the Patriots did. But I'm going to talk really quickly about the Bears. So we got Darnell Wright, lockdown, dog, great pick. Second day picks, we had three of them, and I, I'm questioning them a little bit. But this was a trend. We selected a lot of guys who were like top 10 high school recruits, which is kind of cool. And this started with Jervon Dexter, pick number 53, a defensive tackle from Florida. And when I look at him, I'd notice that he looked super long and athletic, but he looks so goddamn sloppy in his play. But I didn't know this. He was a basketball player until like his junior year. And he was like a highly recruited basketball player who just kept getting too big and too thick. So he had offers from like Virginia and Syracuse D1 to play basketball in high school. And then as soon as he switched to football, he became like the number one defensive tackle recruit above Jalen Carter. So that's not this, that's not me being hyperbolic and saying he's better than him. He's obviously not, not even close, but he has some intangibles that I think the bears are hoping that their hustle print, their hustle, uh, defense and this pretty simplified Tampa two, four, three can just let guys fly to the ball and be pure hustle. I think they're hoping they can coach him up and you can't teach that size. So I'm okay with taking a, a shot on traits when you have a lot of picks and then we trade up in the second to get Tyreek Stevenson a corner out of Miami who we were heavily linked to he was a top 40 recruit as well he actually committed to University of Georgia and then uh, got into it a bit with the staff about not playing a boundary he was playing slot so he ends up transferring back home during COVID to Miami where he's from I believe at one point he got in a bar fight where he tore his like shoulder and had to have part of his collarbone shaved off to fix it. So if we're like, if we're passing on Jalen Carter for character concerns and taking a guy who wrecked his shoulder, punching people in a bar fight, like what, what the fuck is Jalen Carter saying in these, in these interviews? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, So I think, I, I think, 
the interview the interview is huge. I think the interview is actually what probably made us pick uh, Quentin Johnson over some of the other receivers as well, uh, based off of what I heard. From We're not talking Tom, about them yet. I know. I'm just saying Tom Telesco and other like, <laughs> I think that Brad kept sending me pictures of Tom Col- uh, Telesco with fucking kissy lips over the draft, and it was like, whoa. <laughs> was All right, so the worst picture of Tom Telesco to 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 mirror your Ryan Poles in a jack in that. Coat with Dude, he looks like a mafia, Don. Ryan Poles looks like a mafia. All right, so we also took Zach Pickens at pick 64, the first pick in the third round this year. And this is another guy who was like the number one defensive tackle recruit coming out of high school. He's like a fifth-year senior, if I'm not mistaken, a little bit older. Another traits guy with really long arms. Hopefully, these guys can play above their college production hopefully we hit on one of them but at the very least just body type and effort alone i think we upgraded the interior of our defensive line which was so bad last year it made me sick now we get to day three where i think we absolutely fucking mopped up all right firstly we trade back from pick one early before the draft even began that day and I was annoyed at first because there was guys like Kiwi Ringo on the board, guys like Adi Tamiwa, Adibarwe, and we trade back like 12 spots and watch all those guys go off the board. However, we took Roshan Johnson out of the University of Texas, who I think would be an absolute fucking bell cow at any school other than maybe just Texas with the best running back in the nation. Apparently, he's like one of the highest character guys of all time, is what everyone's saying. He played special teams and was a special teams leader. He can he puts his nose in in pass blocking. He is willing to sit behind Bajan and be a good teammate and never transferred. And he came in as a dual threat quarterback and then immediately transitioned to running back when he got to Texas. He was like a top dual threat quarterback recruit. And so they played a lot of wildcat with him. So this is a guy that just offers you a lot of versatility. And then after that, we took a flyer on a speed guy, Tyler Scott out of Cincinnati, who a lot of people are saying was a hit and he fell to us. People are saying they had him as a top 50 grade. We got him at 133. Tyler Scott reminds me a lot of Darnell Mooney. He has a lot of those like mannerisms and size and speed uh, characteristics that I think kind of map up well. So I think we're just padding that wide receiver room that was thin last year and is looking like a strength all of a sudden. Now we get to another one of the picks where I stood up and cheered for Roshan Johnson. I fucking freaked out when we drafted Noah Sewell in the fifth round. Noah Sewell is a guy I think could have went first round or second round last year if he was able to come out. He suffered a little bit of a dip in production this year, but I think this guy is going to offer you a lot. I think this guy is a lights out football player. He's not going to wow you with straight in speed, but he's got a lot of balance and flexibility and pass rushing ability. I could even see him bumping out to pass rush on certain downs. He's a thumper. His brother's one of the best young offensive linemen in the league in the NFC North. Could not be happier about that pick. And then our last three, we got Terrell Smith from Minnesota, another long rangy secondary guy who ran a 4-4. We got Travis Bell from Kennesaw State, the first draft pick out of that university ever. Ryan Poles damn near cried talking about him for how much he loved him as a person. I thought that was kind of weird. So hopefully he's a fan favorite. And then Kendall Williamson at the second to last pick in the draft, a safety from defense or from uh, Stanford. And this is a guy that was an academic all American. Brad loves talking about that. Brad loves talking about the academic Heisman. And so this is a really endearing guy. However, when we got to that pick, I was 
I was slamming the table for Tyson Badgett out of Shepard, this uh, small school guy whose dad is a world champion arm wrestler who got invited to the combine, who showed me a little bit, and I was like, why not take a flyer and a developmental guy? We signed him as an undrafted free agent anyway, so I'm super excited. All right, tell me about your draft. I know we got to hurry. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I can be a little late. It's fine. Uh, so round one, we already talked a little bit about it. Quentin Johnston, uh, he might have the highest upside of any receiver in this draft. That's That's been said a lot. He has the prototypical, uh, unteachable things that you look for in a wide receiver if we can develop him into being a full wide receiver. And I think he, he you know gets added to a wide receiver that has a lot of experience and a lot of things he can learn. So that it's the best place for him, and we'll see if it just works out for us. But I, I have high hopes, but I have low expectations. You know what I'm saying? Um, I do, I do. Uh, round two, you loved this pick, and I, th- I, I do. I, when I was looking more into him, uh, Tuli Tui Pulotu is uh, fantastic, especially in in round two for an edge uh, edge guy. We have some older edge guys already. Khalil Mack is not going to be around forever. Uh, him and uh, Joey Bosa cost an arm and a leg just to keep around. So eventually we're gonna have to replace him, and this guy could be that guy. Um, I think he's. I mean, he, he had what, 13 and a half sacks last year for USC. Highly productive. Very productive. He was a defensive end for a while, and then they moved him to outside line. But he was like a D tackle in their four three, and then they bounced him out. So he offers you some uh, body type flexibility as well. He's not lengthy, but he just absolutely produces. He's this like. These these Samoan football players, I always want them on my team because of how they play football. It's straight up. They play it the right way, and he comes in with the head of steam on every fucking play and tries to get to the quarterback. He's not taking plays off for you. Yeah, I think, I, I, like, like I was just saying with our, our first-round pick, Quentin Johnson, I think Thule, uh joins a, a, a group of pass rushers that is as elite as they come. He can learn a lot from uh, from Cleo Mack as far as technique goes, and you can learn so much from Joey Bosa being one of the more cerebral uh, edge defenders in, in, in the professional football league, him and his brother, obviously. Just very smart pass rushers, those guys. Very good with their hands. Just, you know, they know That's how to get That's the Larry out. Johnson school of pass rushing, my friend. Yeah. Uh, so I think Thule has a lot of uh, – uh, he has a high – for me, he has a high, high floor – and a, a pretty a pretty decent ceiling as well. So I think that was a very solid pick for us. Round three, uh, Dayon Henley. Uh, he wasn't one of the guys I was really looking at, but I, I, I actually really liked the pick the more I did look at him. He's very good at Washington. He was very good at Washington State. He's also a California native. He came from Crenshaw. Um, and, Hell yeah. Uh, the, the, he, he's a perfect linebacker for our system. He's a guy that's going – I think he's going to uh, – do the things that we've been missing from our off-the-ball linebackers a lot, um, which is just get after the ball carrier. And he's also a very he's very good in pass protection too. And being in that AFC West where you're going up against Patrick Mahomes, you need linebackers that can like cut guys off going over the middle because that's where that's where they're gonna eat a lot too. Um, the next pick, I originally was like, "What the fuck are we doing?" Sorry to curse on the pod, but what the fuck are we doing? We cuss all what the time. This? I know. Um, Darius Davis, another wide receiver from TCU, same as our first round pick, uh, but Darius Davis is the exact opposite of Quentin Johnson in, in the fact that he's a tiny guy. Uh, but we, and it's like, why would we take another wide receiver from TCU? But he's not a wide receiver. He's he's likely going to be like number six or seven on our depth chart. Uh, at wide receiver, 
Uh, I thought he'd be your punt returner. He is our returner. That is that that has been stated. That was what uh, I thought when I saw him. And I, a lot of people did, were saying that he might be the number one returner in the draft. Uh, just from what he did at TCU, he, he's a very good returner, very fast, very good with the ball in his hands. So I like this pick, especially because we just got rid of uh, our previous punt returner from last year. Let him just go to the Raiders uh, in uh, DeAndre. Carter, um, so this is kind of replaces that. I think he's immediately going to start, which as a returner, which you don't normally see out of fourth round picks, so it, that's good for us. But there's a lot of things we could have gotten here as well, so I, I could see we got an F grade for this pick uh, from CBS. I mean, you got a guy who's likely not going to contribute on offense very much, and you drafted him in the fourth round. Is that's that's like kind of your issue and he doesn't have the body type in my opinion to truly contribute outside of a returning role he doesn't look like a gunner you know what I mean like we drafted some guys in the middle rounds that I I read were like incredible special teams talents like including Roshan Johnson who led Texas in special teams tackles by the way that's why people love him and he's a running back like I can see it if you draft a guy that can give you a tiny bit on like either offense or defense, but then can play all different facets of special teams. But I'm a bit curious to just draft like a punt returner with the yeah. middle of the fourth round pick. He also fourth did round. Run a four, you can three, find four. guys, dude. He did run. A, yeah. He did. He did run. Run a four three four. Um, if if you know he, he wasn't really that productive at TCU as a receiver. Uh, but like I said, it's not why we drafted him. But we also didn't sign DeAndre Carter to. Uh, play right really right receiver for us and he had I think a 500 600 yard season for us so uh you know Darius Davis can be that deep threat like that just flies off you know up up the field and just make somebody have to respect that and you know maybe draw somebody off so he might see some time we we could use him in sweet in jet sweeps and stuff like that I if I, I said this before I I like this for the fact that if I have to see Michael Bandy's slow white ass out there again, I'm gonna freak. I hated mm. seeing Michael Bandy out there. Hated him. Um, uh, so next, we took Jordan McFadden. I I really wanted us at this point to be taking uh, Tomlinson, Travius uh, Hodges, Tomlinson. Um, but we end, then he ended up going to the other LA team, uh, which is fine. I just it would have been cool. Uh, Jordan McFadden fills uh, fills a role for us. He's going to be a a backup guard just for depth. Uh, I think they think that, you know, he might be able to develop and, you know, if somebody goes down or in the future, if we, you know, we need a guard, maybe he's just stepped up enough that he can just fill that role for us. Uh, nothing, no, no needle, needle movers uh, here in six either. Scott Matlock, just a de- another defensive tackle. We, we have a few of them at this point. Um, but round seven. In, very interesting pick for us, rounding out uh, being the Los Angeles Horn Frogs. Uh, we mm. selected Max Duggan from uh, TCU, the quarterback, obviously. Uh, sec- runner runner up in the for the Heisman, um, and we got him in the seventh. So definitely not a need for us, um, but I guess he's going to be our backup Q- QB for the you know uh, for the future. Which uh, I- yeah, I'm always a fan of taking a flyer on a developmental guy, and I. 
I heard a lot of talk about the Brock Purdy effect. I'm going to be completely honest with you. That's the San Francisco 49ers effect. Brock Purdy would have been an absolute fucking nobody if he got placed into that position in like 25 other teams in the NFL. I'm going to be honest with everybody. That's he just the facts. If the Wolves like Zach Wilson did to the, in, the, in the Jets, he, he would have crumbled like Zach Wilson. He would have crumbled. That offense is catered to be yeah. friendly to the quarterback. Um, however... I don't think Max Duggan's all that good, but I think he's very likable, and I like how he's willing to throw his body into the defense to get a first down. And look, I said this off air, but if I was asked to pick between the four playoff teams last year and I was told I could draft three players from them, I don't know if any of them would be TCU players unless I knocked off Georgia and Ohio state from the list. And then I'd maybe take just Quinston, Quentin Johnston and the other guys would be from Michigan. Uh, so it's a weird, weird practice. And Howie Roseman took the opposite approach and drafted all, all uh, bulldog players. So we'll see how that uh, we'll see. It's a bold move. Cotton. We'll see if it pays off for him. Yeah. See if it works out for him. Uh, well, it's all, it was, it was called out a couple times uh, that it's kind of strange that, the Chargers were so hot on TCU players when the last time that TCU played at was at SoFi and they got their asses stomped so hard. It was one of those they sure did disgusting displays in a national championship game we've ever seen. And uh, so it's kind of weird that we would be so high on it. It's like, oh man, they play terribly in our stadium. That's that's what we would look for. Uh, and players, I get but. it. Well, hey, let's. We're about to get out of here. I see you got to go. I'm gonna really quick talk a bit about the Vikings draft without being mean. They came in with very few draft picks. Uh, they didn't really have too many. Let's see, six by the end of the draft, but they did do some maneuvering. And they, I can't. I don't know if this is the case, but I feel like they may have picked up a couple picks for next year because I saw them trade back a lot. So they took teammates Jordan Addison and Makai Becton with their Black Makai Blackman rather uh, from USC with their first couple picks in the first and third round. Then in the fourth and fifth, they took teammates from LSU, Jay Ward and Ja'Kalen Roy. And this is to go with their offensive guard from LSU last year. Uh, they took Jaron Hall in the fifth round from BYU. I don't think he's very good, but again, you take a flyer on a QB. And then they took Dwayne McBride in the seventh, who I think was a great pick. That's a very productive running back to get in the seventh. And I think they could get some production out of him if need be. But we'll talk more about how the draft shook out at a later date. Um, I'm sure we will feature Brad more now that we have bullied him into buying a microphone for recording purposes due to the absolute crap quality of his audio last week. But I thank Brad. Thank you so much for coming on again and doing this recap. What a great draft. Couldn't be more excited as a Bears fan. And the the draft was just great entertainment for three days running. Yeah, I, I had a good time. Uh, I like being on the pod with you guys. I, I, I've been a long-time listener. Second time, third time uh, on, on the actual pod. So hopefully this one goes Second time well. officially. Um, yeah, I think that uh, we – I would love to, you know, come on and do as, anything you guys want me to do on here because uh, I, like, I like talking to football and I don't get to do it nearly as much because I work with mostly women, so <laughs> – a little bit offensive at the end, but I get it. I'm in a psych department where everyone flames me for trying to talk about football, but I come in and I'm like, I'm not going to name drop anybody. So let's just say like Samantha. So I like walk. I'm like, Samantha, um, I'm hearing Anthony Richardson is getting number one overall draft pick buzz. What are we thinking about that today? And then she'll just like, you know what I mean? They, they don't know who the fuck I'm talking about. So they just laugh it off. 
and they're just like, this just sounds like buzzing in my ears. I'm like, all right, live your, live your truth. Um, another thing I do want to hit on a lot of exciting guys in Madden this season from this draft because of the high testing numbers. We got some defensive linemen who I might trade for <clears throat> a squared who ran like a four or five, but I'm excited for this revamped bears roster. We finally have some good players and knowing that we're going to have two first round picks just sitting there that I could trade to get some more talent. Mm. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Madden, if you don't think that I'm immediately going to make Quentin Johnson, who is 21 years old, by the way, a X, a, a development factor of X factor guy in Madden, uh, within the first season, you're dead wrong. You don't know. Oh about yeah. Him. You just, you just pepper him with, with, with targets until yeah. you get the prompts and then you make it happen. Oh yeah. He's, he's going to be the future. Of, he's going to be that Justin Herbert target for about 10 years at least. And then I, never keep players past 30 because I'm there's a chance that I'm going to start Noah Sewell um, at linebacker with Tremaine Edmonds and say, sorry, TJ Edwards. I like you, buddy, but uh, I like Noah Sewell a tad more, but it's, it's usually dependent on if anybody has their face scanned into the game. Cause I hate playing with generic face players. It just takes away from the authenticity. Yeah. Usually first round picks get it. Uh, so you, you'll get Darnell right likely, but you never know. Offensive linemen are rare to get those face scans. Zion got it last year, so a lot of last year's first round picks. But in general, you don't see a lot of offensive linemen in the NFL like in that game with their face scanned in. I feel like compared to like wide receiver, there's like a billion wide receivers with their face scanned, even if they're not good. Yeah, that's that's very true. Uh, all right. Well, I do have to get out of here now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, nice Brad's not going to, Brad needs to see the mushroom kingdom get saved. All right. For NFL Mayo, I've been Aiden. And I've been Brad. Happy drafting. Bye. NFL Mayo.